Are you looking for the best tips and tricks to run a successful dental practice? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bulletproof Dental Practice, interviewing some of today's most successful dentists with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Hey everybody, uh, welcome back to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice podcast. I've got the host here, Dr. Peter Bolden. What, what? Not the host, a host. I know, but a host. Good. It sounds kind of weird, like a ho, a ho, a host. <laughs> a host, Peter Bolden, and me, Dr. Craig Spodak. And I'm really happy to have my buddy, my really good buddy, and not just, not just the podcast bullshit, like, oh, my good friend, but my legit real buddy, Elijah Desmond. Hi, everybody. How are you? Aren't you happy? Like, everybody's like, when you intro on a podcast, or like, my good buddy, Elijah Desmond, my good buddy, Dr. Peter Bolden, and they just met like an hour ago through an email, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. Elijah, we happened to meet each other many years ago in Vegas. Um, Can we tell him the Vegas story oh, first? Sounds like a platform of a great Oh friendship. my God, what a good story. This is such a good story. Is it appropriate? Can I, trust you? Can I trust you to get this right though? This is such a good story. I think that you should, oh, no, I'm going to, okay. No, no, no you, do it, you do it, you do it. This is okay. awesome, Peter, you're going to love this story. All right. so, so I just meet Craig at uh in las vegas and immediately you know he finds out that we're going to uh, my wife and i are going to move to del rey and he's like well we should go out and get drinks tonight and i mean we're in vegas so what am i going to say no so anyways we go in before we get to we get, we get to the nightclub i think we were at tau were we at tau craig uh yeah that has the outside area too Yes. Excess or towel. I can't remember it was awesome though yeah and so before we get there he goes listen here's what we're going to do we're going to go find a camera guy. We're going to go pay him to snap pictures of us <laughs> with so the flash, smart. with the flash on, but we're going to tell him to take his SD card out and we're, and we're going to, so I'm like, hold on. Are you serious? And he's like, just go with it. Go with it. So he goes up, he finds a camera guy. He you know, those guys him. that hang out like, Hey, you want to buy the picture? And they're taking photos. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that dude. And so he's, he's in the club with us and Craig slips him some cash we go get a drink, and immediately the, the shining cameras is going snap, 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 snap. And, and Craig's like, get away, move, get away. <laughs> and, for, and so this guy follows us around throughout the night, snapping our picture like nonstop. And so we look like total celebrities. <laughs> no, the, the guy from the VIP comes over to me. He's like, hey, is this guy bothering you? You want to go on the VIP? And I'm like, yeah, let's go on the VIP. Yeah, get this guy away from me. <laughs> And the guy keeps popping the shots at us. Like in every, so I think someone came up to me and asked me if it was Tony Hawk or something. <laughs> I was <such> a <laughs> yeah, so, it was a good, so anyways, that was the first night with Craig. Anyhow, that's, that was first of many. Craig, that's pretty awesome. Actually. You just went up, you just went up a, a notch in my book. That's pretty awesome. I wish I had leveraged that when I was a single man. Hey, listen, I was married when I did it. It was just fun. Elijah and I, were, we're all married men, but it's just fun to have someone uh, snapping photos of you the whole time. And I'm like, man, I'm not going to touch your camera, but I'm going to put my hand in your lens. He's like, just don't touch my camera. I'm like, no. I'm like, bro, bro please stop taking photos. We kept like, and Elijah's like, Elijah assumes like the bodyguard role because Elijah's like freaking three times wider than I am. It was so much fun. So fun. Craig, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, Unless man, you guys just want to reminisce about all your fun Vegas stories for the podcast and not provide any. Uh, any no, no, no. Stories. There's a lot of content here. What are we going? So, Elijah, you got so much going on. I, uh, there's, there's so many different things. I, uh, Elijah has a uh, cruise seminar called Smiles at Sea. I was honored to be a guest speaker on that at the first, very first uh, one, which is awesome. And I've done it a couple of times. It was just amazing. I mean, what better way to get your whole team excited than to pop them on a boat and take them to the Caribbean and do some learning at the same time. So it was really cool. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a big champion of, of dentistry. He's a guy genist. That's a, a term I've never heard before until Elijah. You familiar with a guy genist, Peter? Never, never heard of that. But yeah. I just want to say it's G-U-Y, not G-Y-N. I just, the way you're looking, it's Guy Genist. <laughs> I, no, I, I got it the first time. Thanks. Okay. I will never yeah. forget that now. Yeah, exactly. So he's a male hygienist, but you didn't practice. So give us your story. How did it all start? You were, you obviously went to hygiene school and then what happened from there? 
Well, I, first off, I went into hygiene school knowing I wasn't going to stay practicing clinically, whatever I did. I knew, but I knew it took, you know, it took, takes money to make money. I wasn't about to be laboring in the hot sun, carrying bricks, painting houses, doing anything like super labor intense. I needed, I, need, I needed air conditioning. And so straight out of, straight out of college, uh, two months after I got in, I started a temp agency. And that temp agency was the first of about seven businesses. But the temp agency really was the platform for all of these businesses that I've created. Um, I temp myself out instead of working in one practice. I practiced in like 300 practices in three and a half years. I didn't get fired a lot. I just temped myself out a lot. So I got to get all the amazing offices in Hawaii. A new office, I was there. When they said they were going to put you up in a beach house, their beach house, and you could ride a bicycle through the, through the mountains or uh, through Hawaii to get to work because it was 10 minutes away, I was there. So every like dream job in Hawaii, I took it instead of sending one of my 80 temps that I had by the end to do it. And um, started many businesses on the way. And it's been so fun. It's just been a crazy, fun journey. So that's the super sweet. I mean, you know, we can go on for hours. You got to be super specific. <laughs> yep. That's pretty fascinating. So you went to hygiene school fully knowing that that wasn't going to be the, the end goal. Absolutely. I just knew that I needed to get <coughs> something that made decent money. And, mm-hmm. you know, at, at 21 years old, $40 an hour isn't too bad to start. Right. But you've stayed in the vertical or the lane of dentistry though, right? Even all your, your businesses, right? Yeah. Well, yes. And yes and no. So the, the last couple haven't been dentistry, uh, but, but for the most part, they've all been dental related. Tell me what, what's, uh, what's the one thing that, what's your contribution? What's the one thing you're most excited about when you, uh, when we talk about what you bring to dentistry? Cause I know you're doing so many different things. Like what, oh, yeah. where are you at right now? Cause I, every time I talk to you and I've known you for several years, there's always something that's really like getting you really amped up. And I want to know what that is right now. Man, be honest, it's influence. It's influence and ability to change people's lives. I mean, I, you know, I've reached, finally reached the point to where I can't even walk through the conference floor without people like saying, thank you so much. Like that is the best feeling ever because I'm, you know, there's a lot of dental professionals that don't just want to practice clinically the whole time. They want to do other things. They want to hire an associate to run it for them. They want to, they want to go into sales, speaking, consulting. And the group that I, the Facebook group that I created is just for that, which you're, you know, you're a part of. And I'll tell you like just this week alone, easily I've gotten five or six messages of the, the, the messages say something along the lines of thank you. And you changed my life in some capacity. Cool. I mean, that's that, that is where it's at. I mean, it feels so good because I've made it to the point in my career where it's no longer about me. It's just about helping other people. And I think that that's a point where everybody wants to get. Um, and, uh, I'm happy. I'm, I'm at the best spot of my so, career. So Elijah, how are you helping folks? Is it through the Facebook medium or like, give me, give me some, give me the, the context of how, of how this is going down. Yes, absolutely. So people, uh, people that feel trapped in a clinical setting, essentially. Okay. Okay. That's one of the ways, and they want something different. They want something more. Not okay. that they necessarily want to cleave, leave clinical all the way, but maybe they want to start speaking. You know, I was on the road 10 to 12 cities every month last year, burned in the road, speaking all over and um, bringing really happiness to dentistry. So something we didn't talk about is I'm actually a motivational speaker. So 15 years old, I tested into college and began my career as a motivational speaker. And then I, um, I kind of, and that was middle schools, high schools, and colleges. Um, but I put a twist because I got into dentistry and started speaking in dentistry and using that element and um, basically just going and bringing happiness back to our industry and finding jobs, finding opportunities, creating opportunities, that kind of uh, life-changing stuff. So people will reach out to you when they want to start kind of a, I don't know, maybe reach out to you, but you consult on kind of the side hustle in dentistry, if you will. Is that, uh, is, am I hitting it or am I, am I still kind of off? Kind of off. Let me bring, let me bring in. So I actually, I had a consulting business, but I no longer do consulting. It just, that's another story, but um, it's not consulting. It's basically me doing live videos nonstop and posting motivational things and posting opportunities. So let me give you a perfect example. Okay. Uh, somebody wants to create a dental consulting business. They call me up and they say, Elijah, how do you create a dental consulting business? Or if they want to start speaking and they don't know the first place to start in our industry, I connect them to all the companies, all the speakers, all the who's who in dentistry that they essentially need to know. 
somebody wants to get a job working for Oral B. Um, somebody wants to start doing research, writing. So you're a connector, a connector influencer. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's okay. All right. I dig it. So, absolutely. so yeah, I mean, am I, is there, am I hitting it now? Yeah, absolutely. That's all I'm doing is connecting people and creating opportunities. And what's the Facebook group again? Tell it so our listeners can know. It's called Trapped in an Op, like Trapped in an Operatory. Trapped in an Op, okay. Yeah. Okay. Do, you, do you find that that's a systemic problem in, in dentistry? People feeling trapped in an op? Um, I don't think it's a problem. I think it's an opportunity that not many people know. So right. you know, a lot of people, they practice their entire life and they didn't have any clue that there was actually other opportunities. But I, here's why I asked that, Elijah, is because I see ads on people. There's actually a guy who runs an ad in my town in order. It's, it's like, you know, all the messaging is get out of the op and get out of the op and do this and get out of the op. And I'm like, well, wasn't that what we were designed to do is like be in the op to a certain degree? Like what's the whole, why is the narrative? Like, why is the goal line getting out of the op? Um, and yeah. I'm not saying that's what you're doing. I'm just saying like, you hear, you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, I absolutely do. So at the end of the day, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things um, to talk about in this topic, but essentially the clinical, clinical dentistry is amazing. And <coughs> it wouldn't even be around as an industry if there wasn't people that loved <coughs> practicing clinically. Mm -hmm. However, there are some people like myself who I can't be, I can't be around those four walls. So I want to help our industry in other ways. Right. Some people don't know it and I expose it all basically and create the opportunity. But that's not, I mean, that's not all that I'm doing. Of course, there's so many different things. Um, team building is huge, right? So people, dental offices, they all come uh, to, to the cruises to have the time of their life and really to create and develop the culture in their office and those relationships. And so I'm all for everyone practicing um, clinically, it's just, there are some people that want to be a speaker. You know, there's mm -hmm. so many people that desire to be a speaker and share their message. Well, and shit, I, everybody, everybody's a podcaster. Why not? <laughs> I, mean, that is, I mean, there is 50 of them, but I mean, so when you say you do a lot of team building stuff, like let, let's jump into that a little bit. Cause I'm interested if you're helping teams, what are you finding? What are you finding that they're suffering from? They need you to fix right? Because you worked at a lot of offices. Like, so what, it, so what I'm going, Elijah, I'm trying to find, identify problems that we can discuss, so that we can help deploy that to the people who are listening. Absolutely. So oftentimes in offices, when you, you know, you go into them and there's, there's like a, it's, a, it's drama. There's a lot of mm -hmm. dark cloud that's over our office. And many times the reason for that is because the, the, you have the wrong people or you didn't create the foundation or the culture in the office. Mm -hmm. And so, the relationships need to be tightened. And so I am not personally doing the speaking. I'm just creating the environment for people to come bond and leave as a better team essentially. Okay. Okay. So do you find that, that a lot of teams that aren't, uh, that are, they're suffering from the bickering and the drama, but it's because they're lacking alignment in term, terms of like, Craig and I talk about this kind of a top down, like they're not getting the right leadership, which is not creating the right culture, which, you know, no one's aligned. No one has their GPS set to the same coordinates. And it's just a bunch of like free for all. And, you know, just for me kind of thing or, or one for all, one for all. What am I trying to say? Um, do you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's all just every, every man or woman for himself, as opposed to all being aligned towards one common goal, but that maybe hadn't been set up by the owner or the management. Absolutely. So, so, I mean, oftentimes there is no foundation. Okay. And, and a lot of times I see people that are in the middle of a, I call it a, a big drama work environment and they want the right culture and they don't know where to, where to start. And mm -hmm. that's a, that's a really difficult place to be where like, for instance, Craig, you know, I don't know how you built your office. I just know that when I walked into your office, maybe a year after it was built or something like that, the culture was amazing from day one. And it's like, how do you get a culture with 50 some people that amazing? You know, in, in my opinion, I would think that that's how it started. I don't think it switched. So I guess I put that question back on Craig, like Craig, how do you get your office? How did your office become the way that it is? Did it start like that? Or did, did you have some consultant change the office? Well, you know, I love the saying magic is hard work. And I think that, um, uh, we all 
Wait, who, who says that? Uh, magic is hard work. Never. In 42 years, I've never heard magic is hard work. Um, well, why don't you Google it? <laughs> um, well, you just love a quote, and then you love giving credit to that quote. And I was wondering. I, was well, I didn't say I said it. I know, but you why, love- you. why are you messing up with my flow, man? It was a good question. That sorry, you- buddy. I'm sorry. Okay, go oh, ahead. Go ahead, Craig. Talk about your culture. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, magic is hard work. Um, Colin Powell, a dream doesn't become reality through magic. It takes sweat, determination, and hard work. Colin Powell. So you pretty much just abbreviated his quote and just made it your own. Okay. Magic yeah, is I, didn't hard work. It, I didn't say I love my quote, magic is hard work. I said, I <laughs> yeah, I love what I do. I love what I say. No, but I, I, I think it's really important. And I think it's really fair for this to be on the table because we live in an age where social media is dominating everything. And especially in dentistry, there's a lot of boastful. I, uh, there's people that are proclaiming on different uh, Facebook chat rooms that, you know, oh, it's so awesome. I got 10 offices. I'm making a million dollars a year. And, and everybody's got to put their pants on one leg at a time. And there's no secret recipe. It takes a lot of hard, hard work. You, I don't even believe in the idea of talent. Talent is way overrated. I think most kids that grow up with a lot of talent, they oftentimes don't apply it as much because they have to exert very little effort and they get rewarded. So we all have the, we know the famous stories of, you know, Walt Disney being um, fired because he lacked imagination or Michael Jordan being kicked off the high school uh, basketball team. It is really freaking hard. I have meeting after meeting. Peter works so, such, so tirelessly on his marketing and his business. And I think it's just we're willing to toil and suffer more than maybe some of our colleagues because you don't just walk in, treat everybody really nicely, high five them and build an iconic culture. There's a lot of hard conversations that surround that. And um, I am willing to work really, really hard. I, I spend far more time and I'm not saying this is a good thing to do. And if you're a younger doctor that maybe be an associate, maybe you have it figured out right. But for me, it's insane amounts of work, insane amounts of dedication, insane amounts of training, sitting down, asking the hard questions. I've had 360 degree feedback, um, double uh, blind feedback given to me that demolished me. People like actually wrote down or went through it through a person said um, things about me that were really gut wrenching uh, about how I occur, how that when uh, I talk to them, I'll pick up my phone and ignore them or that I don't cat follow through or that I am inconsistent. So I had really hard stuff delivered to me over time. And I know Peter, you're very receptive to that as well. So my advice is if you want to build something iconic, in any fashion, you're going to have to take big, big, hard looks. So at that it. seems very, I mean, just I'm looking from an outsider listening. Please. To you, that sounds pretty daunting. I don't know if Elijah. It's if you, super fucking daunting. It is. But here's the deal. Like the, the, everyone you have focused, you, you focused on your highest and best use, right? Like you don't do a lot of the day to day, like grind that you talk about. So you don't feel overwhelmed because you're in your highest and best use of your practice. No, I do feel overwhelmed, Peter. I do grind. You do, I, you I do, do, but you, but it's, it's doable. And so I'm, I'm going to make sure that the message is like not of one of doom and gloom and it's, it's this intense amount of work. Yes, it's hard work, but at the end of the day, it doesn't feel like a lot of work because you're aligned with this overarching mission that, you know, you like, you had a vision for your practice, right, Craig? And, and you saw your building, you saw this, this shit before you got there. And therefore you just kind of like your mind went to work and you, and you know, it's the reticulating activating system, right? That, that Tony talks about, like you just went there. And yeah, so- I, I think though, Elijah hit on something very early. He said, I'm at the point now where I get to give and the, he's getting from his giving. So he alluded to a certain point where he had to worry about his subsistence. You know, uh, you know, obviously when we first start out, there's a crushing amount of bills and we're trying to worry if we can make it. And then there's a next level where it's almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like the next level where we're actually making it now you can think about contribution. And what Elijah was intimating at is he walks to the meeting, he's, like, he's at a contribution stage of his career where he can contribute and he's monetizing the contribution. That's kind of what, that's what I'm saying too, 
Yes, yeah. I, and I agree with that. That actually, I'm glad you said that because I give the analogy like a snowball down the hill. In the beginning, you had to create that snowball leadership right. culture. But guess what? Like you went away for a couple of months last summer, and your leadership stayed because you're not the only driver of that leadership and culture. Now your team actually protects that house. You know, I give that. Right, reference. but the leader, growing leaders, is so freaking hard. 100%. I'm not hard. saying it's not hard. It's just, it's super doable and it's super, you just have to be super intentional with it. Well, listen, my, I had a big why. My why, my vision was to create like a dental hospital with specialists and, you know, we have 10 doctors now. I, I don't, that is not for the faint of heart and I don't, I'm not suggesting that's something that anybody should do. But leadership, you know, it is a numbers game and if you have three or five people that you're leading, it is oftentimes easier than 50. Um, you, your leadership game has to be stepped up to lead 50 than, you know, at a higher level to lead 30. So Elijah, you said something about the, the consultancy, like it, well, a consultant probably didn't like, you, you know, it probably didn't just come in and, and you all of a sudden now you had culture. And I, and I don't think that stuff can be taught or you can be told to do that. Right. Cause then it's just not authentic from the leader. Once the consultant leaves, like right, you still yeah, have the same gen- you still have the same general in place leading you down the field. Would you agree, Elijah? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, because you had asked that in the question to Craig. Well, like, okay, well, what what was the genesis of your culture? Right? Was it always this way, or did you know was a consultant come in and and flip flip a switch or what? Yeah, I mean, I'm the product uh, personally, like you, Peter. Like Peter's a voracious reader. Like he's a big Gary Vaynerchuk fan, and and Gary V is always talking about adding value. I'm a big Tony fan. Tony's always about, you know, the one who has the most value wins in business. So it was, there's not a cookbook, but there is a common theme in that you have to add tons of value. Peter, you know, is, you know, t- you know, doing things that just add tons and of value. And not be afraid to get your ass kicked. Yeah. Right. Like I make mistakes all the time. I, sometimes I actually like dig the mistakes. Cause like, I'm like, I'm going to try this. And like either, either I hit a home run or I get mud on my face. Yeah, and if you're not making mistakes, you're definitely playing it way, playing it too, way safe. too safe. Way too safe. If anybody's listening and they haven't made a mistake in a couple months or a year, you are way you are way underselling yourself and your your um your your drive. I believe. Elijah, what do you think about that? I believe it. I mean, that's a lot of a lot of times why people don't succeed is because they're afraid to make mistakes. It's spot on. I mean. I don't know. I probably made, I didn't probably, I definitely made way more mistakes than I, than I, than I didn't. And those mistakes are a part of growth, but it's right. people are afraid to make mistakes in the first place. They don't try. So nobody really steps out of their comfort. Well, it's because it's a fear-based thing, right? We think of the consequences. Like what if I make this mistake that I'm not gonna be able to pay my bill or my practice debt or my student loans or whatever. And I get that. That's a real fear. Fears, you know, but you can spin that and say fear is a great motivator or yep. like, you got, you know, and my, my thing I always do whenever I do like right now, I'm actually considering building a, a brand, another office. Um, and I'm like, but why am I doing that? And like, but then I thought to myself, I was like, because I get one ticket on this world and I think my practice deserves that new shiny office. Right. So like, I'm already kind of creating that self-fulfilling prophecy for myself because I, because I want to keep kind of rolling it forward. Yeah. And also I want to call attention to the, your, your, your belief system behind that because it's really important because there's a sickness that I always talk about in America. It's more and more and more somehow more is going to make me happy. And I've probably said this so many times, but I want to say it again. There is a co- correlation between money and happiness dollar for dollar from like earning of $35,000 all up to 75,000 each dollar can possibly affect some level of happiness. But after seventy-five or seventy-eight thousand dollars, that reward starts to diminish. And after a hundred thousand dollars, people making more money are statistically no more happy. You have a lot of shit. And like the country song, you can buy me a boat. Yeah, I mean, at seventy-five grand or hundred grand, you can buy a boat and a Yeti one ten iced down with some cores or whatever. Bullets. Yeah, silver whatever. bullets. Sorry, yeah, some silver bullets. Silver bullets are cores, though, right? Yeah, of course. So yeah, so so. We're not, I want to call attention to it because I'm a big believer. I listen to the words. Like when you said it, you want to buy, you want to do the office because you, your brand deserves it. There wasn't like, I want to make an extra hundred grand. No, I'll probably make less money. Yeah. So there's so many people that are listening to this like, oh man, I, you know, I don't make enough money. I'm a failure. And there's so much of that dialogue 
the uh, keeping up with the Joneses. It used to be that keeping up with the Joneses was just the neighbor to the left and the right of you. Now the Joneses is every jackass on Facebook that's on like, you know, I'm on Dental Hacks Nation, all these other places and people are like, yeah, I'm doing this or that. I mean, I, I just put something out there because they're talking about compassionate finance, that healthcare company that does your finance for you. It's like a competitor to care credit. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I, I just said like, hey, I want to know because I'm spending a lot of money with care credit. And I don't know, I put like, I'm spending $150,000 in fees with care credit. And it was like, whoa, 150, you don't need to worry. You're all set, you know, like, oh my God, if I had, you know, cause they know that it's 10%. So geez, I'm doing 1.5 million with care credit. That's crazy. But they don't recognize that I have a larger office and stuff like that. And I just wanna, I want this space. I know I'm gonna go uh, woo woo here. So Peter's gonna get real uncomfortable. Here comes a Tony here Robbins quote. Here comes a Tony Robbins hug kumbaya. I want this space to be a space of acceptance in that we are all burdened with some level of stress. Elijah, you are burdened with stress. You are burdened with problems. Peter, I know you are as well, and I am as well. We are, life is a series of problems. You're just swapping out for better quality problems. Peter has a little bit more bandwidth in his life, so he's like, screw it, let me take on some headache. And the headache for you <laughs> is, is, let me build a new office. You know, I have like, hey, I'm not busy enough. Let me take on some headache. Let me write a book and do a podcast. So this is, this is good. These are good problems. We had to end our days. We had to get here. Elijah, same thing. You know, you had the smiles at sea. Let me do this new thing. So there's a hunger and there's a commonality in all successful people. It's hunger, hunger for more. And, and, and getting your ass kicked is part of the recipe for happiness. So in dentistry, we're all comparing each other and what's the right model and should I do a DSO? Should I have five offices, seven offers? Whatever the fuck you want is perfect. It really is. And we need to create that space in dentistry that we have um, all of our own unique footprints. And as long as you're paying your bills and as long as you can- I agree with that actually, because you're right. The narrative, and Elijah, we did bring you on so you could talk, so sorry. <laughs> I know this is like the Craig and Peter show right now. Yeah, but, but it's nice to see his face. The, uh, he's, the narrative is like, you're right, Craig. It's like trying to fit everyone in down to this multiple practice. <laughs> so how do we sell? How does private equity? And like, you're right, but also right. trapped in the op lens that dialogue too. Maybe. Trapped in the op is like, get yourself unfucked. It's kind of a, it's a little bit, you know. I like what you're saying. Like we need to create that, like this, the, the messaging that, that whatever, you know, if it's working for you, like, it's good, right? You don't always have to be thinking about an exit in order to be fulfilled. Yeah, Paul Etchinson, one of the first thing conversations I ever had. Um, you know, you know, we were at the Voices of Dentistry with Paul, and uh, Paul's like, "Hey, man, I want to pick your brain." Blah blah blah. I want to, you know, I'm working three days a week. I'm making X dollars. I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, what? What? what, what go back." You glossed over that. He's like, "I'm like, you're working three days a week. You're making X." I was like, that's awesome. He's like, well, you know, I should open up and get an associate and blah, 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 and expand and blah, blah. I'm like, why? You know, you're, this idea that you can build a business, businesses are like oak trees. You plant them as seeds. You have to tend to them nonstop until they start providing fruit. I guess oak doesn't, uh, oak doesn't provide fruit, but you know I'm the not, analogy. I'm not. And everybody thinks you just plant a seed and you walk away, you're Johnny Appleseed, just shit is going on. It takes a tremendous amount of work and there's something to say about having a job that's very, you know, LeBron James does not, does not have a business. He has a job, but he has a really, really good job. Paul Etchinson, Dr. Paul Etchinson does not have a business because if he doesn't work, it doesn't, it doesn't make money, but he's got a really good job. He can make in three days busting it out what I make in five days of owning a business. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty darn cool. And yeah. dentistry affords you that opportunity. So don't get stuck in someone else's narrative of what you need to do. You need to get untrapped from the app. No disrespect to Elijah. You, you see need that to- Elijah a lot, like uh, th- that shift in dentistry that we're not shift, but the, the narrative in dentistry that we're talking about right now, maybe it's the people that, that we talk to. So I don't know. I want to get your insight on. Yeah. Look at Chombo. Look at Chombo Sims. He's feeling like, you know, what I need to do, I need to do something. There's a narrative. Talk about the narrative, Elijah, because you're in the lecture world. You're, you're part of the summits and the things, and there's a common theme, and I want to know if you're hearing it or not. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not hearing it. I just see a lot of people that want different things at the end of the day. I mean, Good. you just rattled off four or five different things, and at the end of the day, people need to decide what's best for them. You know, whether it's the having – 
50 people or it's working three days or it's making, you know, a million dollars a month or a million dollars a year. I mean, everybody has their own things and it's tough because everybody's now telling you like what you should do or what's the standard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I constantly see on these forums, everybody's like kind of, they're not boasting or bragging, but they, they're explaining how successful they are, which I have, I have four things written down on this piece of paper that I want to talk about. I think it's a perfect time to talk about it. Go for it. Yes, please. um, The first thing is, is that what I'm not, I stepped out of consulting at the right time because what I noticed is everybody is a freaking consultant. Everybody is a consultant. I I don't understand how there are so many, but everybody's a consultant. And so I think that that's really confusing and there really needs to be like some kind of Tinder (laughs) app for a consultant with the Oh yeah. Because everybody is looking for something different because not everybody wants to have 50 people in a practice, but not everybody wants to, you know, work their butt off like Chombo on skates, you know, there, everybody has different things. So I feel like that there's so many consultants out there. People don't know which way to turn. They don't know what to do. They're confused. They're getting ripped off. They didn't get the right consultant. And it's a tough time. I feel like in dentistry, when you have these, these standards that people are, are, are putting out there and, and because social media is so popular right now and people are so vocal and they weren't before, I almost feel like business owners are getting self-conscious. Like, am I good enough? Or how is this person making this much money and why am I not? And it's just a, it's a different, I feel like it, I've watched in the past five years, our profession, you know, evolve. And I think it's due to social media. That's pretty fascinating. You know, you hear about the effects of social media amongst your peers, right? Like the buddy who got on the prior jet and how's he flying private, but I didn't ever think about it on a macro level from a business perspective, right? And that's what you're saying. Like, well, look at his practice or look at what they're doing on, on a professional level. I didn't ever think about that, but you're right. It's a, it's a, it transcends into both areas. Elijah. That's fascinating. Exactly. I'm almost finished with my book. Um, and the, the, the first chapter is called the, uh, the number one risk in life. And mm-hmm. the number one risk in life is being yourself. And there's so many times throughout, you know, your career or your life that people are going to try to tell you that you should be this or you should be that. And it's really difficult. It's a struggle, especially when you're coming up in your career, you don't really know what you are, or who you are yet. To, to me, hearing all of these voices in your head saying, I'm this, I'm that. People need to stop and think, what do you want? Do you want to have a million dollar practice? You want to have a, a $12 million practice? What do you want? And stop listening to people. Mm-hmm. And so I think everybody got into this, this profession for one major reason, and that was to change lives. And it was a pretty good job. And I think that it's really important to come into the profession or just to stop yourself and, and ask yourself, what do you want? Because I really think that dentists and business as a business owners in general are really confused because there's so many mixed messages and they're so busy listening. And, and instead they should ask, what, what do you want? What do you want out of your career? What do you want out of life? And so anyways, that's just that's what's on my mind right now. Time. It's our most important asset. And I want to thank you for using your time to listen to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Also want to encourage you to do two things right now. Take out your phone, text the word bulletproof to the number 345345. What that's going to do is put you on our, uh, for lack of better words, a mailing list that's going to send out uh, text messaging and email just whenever we have announcements, whether it's the Bulletproof Summit that's coming up in October, um, a book launch, um, or just giving access to some some private stuff that's inside the Bulletproof community. So I encourage you to just uh, take two seconds and whip that out and uh, text it to us. Again, text the word Bulletproof to 345-345. Secondly, please, if you're, if you're loving the podcast, go ahead and, and um, click on your phone again and and click on the review and review us in in iTunes. We really appreciate it just so we get some feedback. And again, if it's if it's a five star, awesome, bring it. But if it's one, like put that down and let us know how we do better. Appreciate it. Have a great day. I love that. What's number two? I, I, you know, I've heard this so much in the past year and you guys will have to to chime in here. I have heard many times from many different people in our industry that there is currently a changing of the hands. There's currently a changing of the hands, meaning that the, 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 the dentists that are in the older generation or the, the leaders in dentistry are almost passing the mic. 
and passing the baton. And there's a new uprising of essentially influencers or people in our industry. And so I'd like to hear you guys' thought on that. Like, are we in the, are we in the changing of the hands times? What's going on right now in our industry? I hope not. I'm just kidding. I mean, let's face it. Gordon Christensen's getting older, right? And oh, everybody okay. else. Oh, that passing every- that generation. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I well, mean, what, I, what I what I see on this is there's a breakdown in the information. So everything there's there's middlemen and everything. There used to be middle middle people that inserted themselves into every process in the world. So like, you know, Amazon comes along and takes out, you know, the middleman, whether that be the regional, the local hardware store or whatever. And then you look at like religion, we have less attendance in church because people want to, not that they're less religious, but people don't need the priest. I could have a spiritual relationship. I, I could listen to a podcast and have my own spiritual relationship with God. And then dentistry, there was the Gordon Christensen's, the people locked in the ivory towers that you needed to pay and go to Scottsdale for to pay thousands of dollars. And now you can get valuable information from people that are actually doing it. So I see there. So now there's the podcast Facebook leader, but then I think it's going to turn into who's actually doing it. There's a lot of people speaking on the big stage that are getting $20,000 for mastermind groups. You look at their practices, there's one hygienist and one assistant, yet they're talking about building or better yet, like people speaking, and this drives me crazy. People about it, like, I'm a social media, I, you know, I consult yeah. on social media. And meanwhile, it's like crickets. They on- got 60 followers on Instagram. Yeah, I know. I hear you. So, so now what's happening is people are, um, you know, you get a lecturer that pays, pays to come to a seminar and he's sitting up there and he's talking about how to get Google reviews, how to get the most amazing Google reviews. And as you're listening to him talk, or her talk, you're literally on your phone pulling him up. He's got a 3.2 on Yelp and a 3.1 on Google, and he's got 14 reviews. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, shit, this guy doesn't have any credibility. So there's a major, there's going to be a major, not just a changing of hands, but a, but a street cred component. You can't, you can't fake it anymore. The mastermind people that are hosting mastermind groups that have you know, great attendance, but have an office that does 600 grand a year. I mean, that's great, but why you're, you're pontificating in theory. What is it really like when you have five locations or seven locations or, you know, or you're doing 5 million or seven or 10 million. That's actually who I want to hear. There's a breakdown now. It's all authentic and it's really cool. So just like you can't, you can't advertise your way out of a problem. Now you actually have to provide an exceptional experience. The problem with that, though, Craig, is the people who are like you don't have time. So you have the you have the the merit to teach on. Let's just say someone wants to build the dental hospital up. You don't have the time, even though you're the real thing. You don't have the time to do it. To well, have we're doing that. it. We're doing it here. Right. That's we, you know the time. At scale, though, at Gordon scale, Christensen though. used to have to fly to Seattle and speak at the ADA. We're doing this in forty minutes, okay. providing value. All right, so, all right. Well, then scratch know, that. And people can consume it at their own will. So it's it's just a major breakdown. It's really cool, but it's a meritocracy. To quote my friend Peter Bolden, it's I gonna, love, that's my favorite word. I know that oh, and binary. You haven't used binary in a couple of weeks because you busted my chops too much about it. Yeah, so. I made you sensitive about and it. I was about to use meritocracy, but I was like, oh, he'll 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 call me out. <laughs> but it's true, Elijah. Like people are not going to listen to people that don't have the street cred. They really won't. Like, what's your practice? Like, oh, well, I don't really maintain a practice. And it should be, though. Do you agree, Elijah? Because like you alluded to, everyone's a consultant now, and that maybe shouldn't be such a crowded space. And it's a confusing space (coughs) because, like, I don't know. Tell me what you think. Absolutely. I mean, it definitely, you should be, have, you should have been there and done that and experienced it if you're going to coach on it or you're going to influence people on it. If you haven't been there and done that, then essentially you're doing it for the wrong reason, which to me is not true. Yeah, it's money. And (laughs) I mean, if that's your thing, then that's cool. But if if, you know, just because you're, you go to school and you learn it, doesn't mean that you're the expert at it. You have to actually do it. And I personally don't, I don't care about that personally. Um, as far as who's speaking on stage and what they're, I guess what they're speaking on in that capacity, because I'm not really, I'm not clinical anymore. You know, I'm looking for feel good speakers that are just positive people. 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, lot, a lot, a lot of negativity out there. Holy crap. Have you seen these forums? I mean, it's unbelievable. And so I'm looking for this positive people that I'm not necessarily looking. Let me give you an example. So every year I bring on between, we'll say 60 and 80 speakers to come to my events. I, 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 I have to go to interview, hear them, look at their CVs, all the above. I got to be honest. I'm not looking at how many years did you practice clinically and what was your net profits? I'm not looking at it. I'm looking at what is your reputation and how do you make me feel? If you make me feel good and you have a great reputation, then I want to be on, I want to be, you know, I want to be associated with you because I, you know, there's some people that have amazing clinical skills, but their personality or their lecture abilities are hiring that that person. So I hear what you're saying. It, it, It is very important that you've been there and done that. But at the end of the day, as a essentially a meeting planner, I'm not looking for that at all. Good point, man. Good point. That's a good point. Yeah, like you could have the street cred, but if you don't land on people and influence people, it doesn't really matter. I really appreciate you saying that, man. Super, super uh, good point. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it kind of rubs it rubs the, it rubs us as dentists wrong because we're like, who are you to speak about that? But it really, all you care about is that you have an influencer that that moves the needle and inspires people. Yeah, the, you, all you care about is the primary outcome. Yeah. Which so if you have a speaker that helps the profession, it doesn't matter. I dig that too. So, all right. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. just getting corrected on that. All right. Good stuff. Elijah was number three. I'm into this. Fourth, number, fourth thing. Num- number three is um, the reason why, you know, what's the reason why we all entered in this profession and working, working less and not more. And it ties into everybody's a consultant. And so essentially everybody that's, uh, there's so many people that are consultants. And as a consultant, what I realized is I could go in one office and I could make the best reason, I could have the best results ever. And I can go in another office with the exact same ingredients and it would be a total flop. Mm -hmm. And so, and and so I, I noticed that it was a, it was a people thing. Right. And so the, the people were really going to depend on the outcome. It wasn't me. It was the people. And at the end of the day, I noticed that I didn't like consulting anymore. It didn't make any sense to me. And, I'm, and, I, and I also struggle with the fact that there's so many dentists out here that are doing consulting. You can make so much more money owning your own practice and practicing what you preach in the first place. Just go and build your empire or build your office and then flip it. You can sell it like real estate. So anyways, I'm not a dentist, so I can't do that. So what I found out is, is that I actually have the ability to make dentists work less and make more through a different, um, a, you know, a different way. And it was first off the reason why everybody went into dental school in the first place. It wasn't necessarily to do some, you know, to do small fillings and extractions and uh, prevention and check out people's, you know, check out the, the hygienist doing the SRP and cleanings and crowns. It was actually make people smile to give people a smile right so if you could if you could ask, if i could if i could ask you what is your most um what is your most satisfying thing in your profession in practicing clinically what would it be either of you can oh the most satisfying thing in my profession clinically what would it be if you, oh, the most satisfying, you go, yeah, yeah so when you go when you go to work mm-hmm. what makes you feel so happy like what is like goosebumps to you the, well, you know, the tears at the end of a procedure, like meaning, so I do larger complex, you know, stuff. So I, when I see tears and, and like, and people are like, Oh my God, I shouldn't cry. I'm like, no, you should cry. Life only gives you certain opportunities for happy tears, like do it. And they're crying about their smile. And that, that makes me just like, literally it does it right now. It's doing it right now. Like the arms, the hairs on my arm, you know, cause I dig that. Now I don't get that all the time, but when it happens, it's effing magical. Yeah. To, to the T, how about you? was that same for you or what yeah exactly the same exactly the same yeah well, he straightens teeth so they're, they're slower tears right <laughs> no, but i i get like um i get a lot of vicarious um you know you gotta understand with a large practice 10 doctors everything that goes wrong is my fault everything that goes right is my fault so i feel a tremendous sense of pride um when patients tell me that the experience needs to be scared and now they're not but i also get a massive sense of pride when I have a team member saying like, you know, when I first came to this office, I was shy. I was afraid to talk to people. And now I feel like I get to help people and that type of stuff. It's super cool. 
That is awesome. So, so where I was going with all that full circle is, is I understand that the dentist goes to school to change people's life and to give them a smile. They go for that, those goosebumps. And it's not necessarily about the money. It's about the goosebumps. It's about that overall big picture, the why. And so I went in from consulting and thinking that the dentists were simply wanting to have a better business and to make more money to just marketing for high value cases. That's it. Only marketing for high value cases and giving the dentist those goosebumps all the time. So I feel it's so much easier to step outside of the consulting role and instead bring the dentist these high end cases to essentially fulfill their why. So make people, give people the smile that they've ever always wanted and give the dentist the smile and those goosebumps that they've always wanted. That was a huge transition for me. So now I'm out of the consulting and into specifically bringing those cases to the offices. You're a prospector. What's a, what's a prospect? Define a prospector. Getting, like getting someone who prospects for like you're hunting for the gold that you're going to give to the, to the dentist. Like the, and, and that goosebumps is the gold. Yep, exactly. So I'm basically finding the gold. So that's like one of the main things that I'm doing now, which is awesome. Cause I don't have to worry about giving people these ingredients and worried about how they're going to mix them. Essentially. I'm bringing the gold straight that's to the awesome. dentist. And that's it. Man, that's cool. awesome. You know, what's so funny is all of our fulfillment, um, everything that lights us up is outside of us. It's nothing about us. It's not like, you know, it's, it's, um, it's other people. There's no coincidence that yours, mine, and Elijah's are all about other people. Absolutely. Deep Thoughts by Craig Spodak. <laughs> Another thing is, is um, what, is, what is your hygienist supposed to do? It's hy- hy- Let's talk about hygiene coaching for a minute because I had it all wrong for probably, in my opinion, for probably about six years while I was coaching. And I, it literally is just starting to click. So – my thought before was, is let's ramp up hygiene and do the best thing for the patient, right? Let's build an amazing hygiene program, fluoride, make sure that they're getting, you know, their perio when it's necessary, make sure that they're coming in three months for a gingivitis cleaning and stop waiting till they get perio, doing sealants, et cetera. And so I was essentially coaching to increase the um, production and to do the best thing for the patient. And what I didn't realize is I don't really think anymore that the hygienist should be essentially <laughs> focused on all of those things. Sure, that's part of their job, but their focus should actually be on the relationship and referring out for work in, in, in your chair, in the dentist's chair. And I never had that thought or that, that, uh, that thought process actually until recently in the last year. I, didn't, I guess I just didn't get it because the big picture is if you have how many hygiene chairs do you have Craig six or five they're going to give it to uh, we've got nine. nine or right so nine hygiene chairs working and restorative is coming out of there like crazy and they have that relationship built so essentially you get a yes before you come into the room that makes so much more sense than giving a patient a menu of hygiene things like who cares about some freaking mouth rinse <laughs> and <coughs> Yeah, right over there, Craig. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, I've had this call for eight weeks. God, you might want to go check and mute your mic. Jeez. So, so I guess uh, I coughed in the mic. I'm sorry. Where's your mic, Pete? It's not not cough, being coughed on right now. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it was it was a change in my thinking, and I want to know what you guys think about that. So, the hygienist, you know, you guys have probably some productive hygienists, and wouldn't mm-hmm. it be nice to? get the patients to say yes to everything from your treatment and for them to get some really good cases because that relationship's built up over just having a, a pretty good productive team. What are your thoughts on that? You mean being a hygienist that's focused on the complete health of the patient, not just like the gum health. Is that what you're yes. saying? Essentially. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, I thought that was the way it always, well, you know, my team is conditioned to, to, that we, the hygiene is is responsible for helping to enroll the restorative, right? That's part of the, raw, the, the their their job description. It's not just like, hey, get the gums healthy. It's we're a team, and you know the hygiene is where a lot of the doctors will get busy, right? And so they have to start ta- having those conversations about you know crooked teeth and occlusion and look at this wear and yes, you do have an infection on on this gum little area, right? That we need to that we need to treat. 
So it's, it's everything. My, my dentists have, have to do it all because we actually practice complete health dentistry. We actually look at things from a global perspective. So I didn't know that's maybe a big problem going on, Elijah, um, as just I'm only doing my job and that's it. Because that would be hard for the dentist, right? Because we, we, we get a lot of our work from, from hygiene, right? And that's where we identify the problems a lot of times. Well, yeah. It's our fault though, Peter. Um, you know, I, having the benefit of working in a multi-doctor office, I get to see how different dentists treat the hygienists. So I have this one hygienist, she's a total rock star, Jessica. I'd love to have her on the podcast, actually. I know you have a couple of rock stars too. She comes and gets me all the time. She's like, hey, Dr. C, I really want you to um, see this patient. I think this is an awesome thing. That They're very interested. They're kind of ready to go. This is what's going on. And when, they, when she catches a patient like that, she's already kind of pre-sold the work. Mm-hmm. And a, lo- a lot of dentists don't feel comfortable having the hygienist talk. They feel it's a power thing. So like, you know, you're not supposed to diagnose, like, where is there a hygienist in jail for talking about a concern? I've yet to see that. I mean, listen, they can't practice dentistry without a license, but why is it illegal or considered a big no-no for a hygienist to be like, hey, your lower teeth are really crowded and they're chipping. Um, You know, I'm worried because when the teeth are crowded, they don't wear as well or they can be damaged. I want to get the doctor in because I'm concerned about this. Like, but I see, so when a hygienist says that to me, I, I acknowledge them like, wow, Jessica, thank you so much. This is amazing. And she's like, well, if you could just get Dr. So-and-so in the practice to feel that way. Cause every time I come to them, they're like, oh, a hygiene check. I'm like, are you kidding me? They feel that way? Like, yeah, I had a patient all ready to go. And they said, oh, it's one crown. I don't want to do one crown. She's like, yes, I know it's one crown, but the guy has collapsed VDO and I, I want to get him. I want you to talk to him about opening up his vertical dimension. And dentists are actually thinking hygiene is a problem for them. Hygiene is a barrier for problem. them. It's an inconvenience, right? It's to the heavy lifting that we're doing on the right. other side of the room, right? So the right. new patient's so freaking sexy. New patient, new possibility, but we know, statistically speaking, the new patient actually accepts very little of what you say. The existing patient already likes your practice and much more likely. So if anything, you should have a bulletproof hygiene practice with a low attrition or a zero attrition rate, and you won't have the opportunity to see a new patient. I think so too, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think some of that is going to the OCD-ness of a lot of dentists. Like a lot of dentists are very like, I'm in, I'm in my zone and and I and then you break them out like I need to check. It's like oh, you know they were they were they were in the zone like focusing. At least that's for me. Like I get in dialed in, and then it's like oh, I need you to do a hygiene check. I'm like, it's not that I don't want to do the check. It's just that I don't want to get out of my zone. Maybe maybe that's not. Yep, it's true. Neither one of y'all are shaking your heads. No, I it, it, I think I think that. But imagine how the hygienist feels. They don't give a shit what the reason is. I don't want to get out of my zone. I'm prepping a case. Hygienists have an hour or 45 minutes to do a long task. And if they're spending a shit ton of effort trying to get a patient enrolled in something that they're really not even being compensated for, the minute, you know, even if your intent was good, like I'm in the zone, I'm in the flow, whatever, you're going to de- you're, you're, you're not going to get I'm what I'm not making you're- it right, Craig. You're, yeah, you're, I'm hearing, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just I know. I'm give reason for why that, that sentiment happens. Um, and that, that's all. I know, but we all have the road to health paved with good intentions and the doctors are not trying to jack up their hygiene schedule, but you've got to reward. I mean, human behavior, what, what gets rewarded gets reinforced and, and propagated. So when your hygienist is busting her ass and she wants to say, hey, doc, can you come check this out? I know Mrs. Jones isn't due for an exam, but I'm concerned about this. If you're like, hey, I'm kind of like in the middle of something, you got to make time more often than not. And I just see, because my practice is a microcosm of a larger thing, there's certain doctors in my practice that really, the hygienists don't even want to talk to them right now. They don't even want to, they don't want to inconvenience them. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't see it that way. I'm always, even when it's really busy, I always try to find a way to say yes, because I want them to keep finding the work. That's awesome. I mean, I've seen it firsthand. I've, I've, I've watched how Craig reacts to his employees. And, <clears throat> and I think that's just a personality thing, really. And there's and there's also have you ever tested Craig? Have you ever tested the um, the or have you ever looked at certain hygienists that work with certain dentists better? Yeah, and Dental Intel looked- has that. Dental Intel has that, so you can see who works best with certain people. Mm-hmm. I was with Dental Intel for the entire weekend, actually. Or yeah. the, yeah, I, well, I, 
Yeah, thank you. They're amazing. Um, I, I introed, I introed uh, Elijah and uh, West and Lunsford to Dental Intel. Yeah, they're, they're pretty, they're just unbelievably amazing. But I'm curious to see with that amount of, um, amount of hygienists and dentists mm-hmm. who works best together and seeing if there's a way to kind of keep them together. Does that, that make yeah, sense? Yeah, you gamify it. Yeah. Gamify it, yeah. And by the way, it's not what you think. So I looked at it in my practice. I'm like, oh my God, I get along so well with, you know, Joanne. So I'm sure the, um, it's going to be a lot better. And it's actually the people that I don't have as much rapport with because Joanne and I have so much rapport. We just kind of like read each other's minds and stuff, but I'm not as specific. So with like another hygienist that I might not have as much rapport with, I'm like very direct. I'm like, hey, Diane, make sure you get Mrs. Jones in for her next visit. Number 12 needs a crown. I'm really worried about the crack and I got to get her scheduled. Um, So it's interesting. It's not what you may think. The data may be very enlightening for you. I want to point out that um, Dental Intel is a big fan of our podcast. And um, if you use uh, uh, our name, Bulletproof Dental Practice, or even Spodak, um, they'll waive your initiation fee, which is super cool. So just wanted to mention that. We'll We'll have a formal link, by the way, on this bio by the time it comes out but they are willing to give um, our listeners something special. And uh, that's more than you and yeah, I. Yeah, we're both obviously paying paying users. We are paying users, both paying users of Dental Intel. Gladly paying users. You told me like when you signed up, that was worth like tons Dude, of money. Changed, it paid for like 10 years in one month. Literally. Yeah. Game changer. So I think that they are, and they might've already came out with it. They're, they're actually coming out with a, they're gamifying denti- dentistry across the country. So you're going to see where your practice ranks, which I think is amazing. So the, the, the initial fee, I think, that you're talking about, Craig, yep. you're, you're, um, you're also referring to kind of a snapshot, a practice snapshot, which everybody needs, um, which is amazing. But something that's really cool that they're either coming out with or have came out with is they're, they're ranking you as a, as a dentist across the country and in your state or city with other dentists, which I think is so fun. That's, I mean, I'd be, that's like in your face. I'm not sure I want to open that email. I mean, for those of us who are competitive and want to strive hey, for better. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I like it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty good stuff. So anyways, I love right, it. You guys, what else do you want to chat about? Um, I, I want to really talk about, um, uh, your um, tattoos just for one minute, if you don't mind. Can you back the camera out? Because I think it's kind of cool a story you got going on there. Um, so there's the, well, first there's the microphone. So which one was the gateway is what I want to know. The gateway? Yeah, yeah which is yeah. your first tattoo? It was, a, I know what it is, a pop of Smurf on his hip. It right? always starts, it's like, I'm going to get someone's initials on my arm. And then before you know, you know it, you're like in war paint. You know what's really, <laughs> that is so funny. Do you want to know what's so crazy? I actually have wanted to get a sleeve for probably about 10 or 15 years. And the reason why I didn't get a sleeve is because the first thing people do when they see you is judge you. And when you're on stage on a regular basis, you do not need to be judged. And so I told myself when I make it to the point in my career where it doesn't matter anymore, I'm getting a sleeve. And I got the sleeve in August and I just don't care what people think. I'm a good person. and I know it. Meanwhile, and, you still wear full long sleeve shirts on stage. You don't care if people think. I'm just kidding, Elijah. Yeah, you know exactly. what, you know what, Elijah. I don't care, but I'm fully covered up. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. You want your street cred? Get one. Get a freaking net tattoo. No, that's not happening. Two times I've actually taken my suit jacket off, taken my cufflinks, and pulled my sleeve intentionally because I'm so proud of it. And when I get on stage for Smiles at Sea, I'm going with the tank top with the microphone in hand. So. <laughs> but anyways, so this this right here, this is I don't know if you can see it. It's the it's a ladder, mm-hmm. and yep. so it goes up. That's that's called the ladder of life. Um, that is uh, that means the most to me out of all these tattoos. And essentially, what the ladder of life is is you have a a, a ladder, and you're looking up at the top, and it's all of these people that are billionaires, they're movie stars, they're they're famous, they're they're Peter Baldens, easy. And it's, it's actually very lonely at the top. I'm looking up and seeing that these people don't even like to be there in the first place. They're committing suicide. They're, they're getting, you know, they're overdosing on drugs. They're in jail. They're doing all the wrong things. And I'm like, I don't even want to be at the top of the ladder anymore. It doesn't sound fun. So the first part of my career, I was so focused on myself. I was very selfish. I wanted the next business deal. I wanted the next speaking gig. 
I was focused only on me. So what I decided to do is I decided to reach back down the ladder of life and reach back with one hand and help other people up instead of focusing so much on the top. And it was super nerve wracking for me. It was actually really scary because I was spending a lot of time helping people. And it felt so good actually to do that. I decided to take both hands off the ladder of life and reach back and help as many people as I possibly can. And as a byproduct of that, I continued to move up the ladder and I don't even want to be at the top of the ladder. And now I've changed so many people's lives and put them way above where I'm at, but I'm around thousands of people, especially in our industry that are friends that I'm friends with that I've helped in some capacity. And now I no longer want to be at the top of the ladder of life. So that's, that's that tattoo. That's it. I'm getting a tattoo, Craig. <laughs> well, you know, it's cool, man. There's, a, there's another quote that that reminds me of in a concept. It's like in the beginning, we want to, we pursue significance and we want to be on top, but the true, the true measure of, of, of leadership, the true measure of your character is how far you're willing to bend down and help other people. It really is. That's what leads to the most amount of fulfillment. So you, you actually rise to the top by putting people's needs above your own. Um, you know, uh, there's a quote that says the, um, you get, you get to, you, uh, the way you get to the, the you know, or basically the way you get to the top is by helping other people get there too. help other people get their needs met. It's cool. I like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And then there, I have this quote right here it's, you can't see it good, but it's, um, it says motivation and determination without procrastination is the key to success. And so there are so many people out there that are so motivated and then all of a sudden it fizzles out. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people out there that are really determined, but they're not motivated. So it never really works. And majority of people simply don't follow through and they procrastinate. So, so many, so many tasks, so many ideas, so many ideas, so many dreams are created and they but simply don't that, follow through on that. that quote again for me now that Say it again for me, please. Motivation and determination without procrastination is the key to success. Yep. I would agree. I and so, um, and then the microphones is all about changing people's life from the stage and then reach for the stars. That's where that thing is. Um, music just makes me happy. That's a note. Damn, you got like a damn mural. I mean, you were all in on the microphone and the ladder. You were all in. You have to hold uh, yourself accountable every day in the mirror, don't you? Money is time. Time is money. There's, there's my little TikTok clock. Show them the Spodak Dental Group tattoo that you got recently. Oh, that one's in a place that people really shouldn't see. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have one. He doesn't have one. Craig, you want to see mine? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Elijah, I enjoyed it, man. I actually learned, learned a lot from you. Um, a lot from you. I would, I would, I want to get you back on. Cause I think, I think there's a lot of a uh, runway for us to dive deeper on a couple of those, of those one through fours for sure. If we should have done a four part series and done it, just dive deep on one at a time. Cause I feel like you were just tipped <laughs> on what you really wanted to say and what you could say, cause you're qualified to do it. Lots of, lots of stuff. Lots of, I'd love to be back for sure. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I have one recommendation, and, and maybe this is where it starts. So this is an amazing laid-back uh, podcast or video cast. Mm -hmm. It makes all the sense in the world to do this live within a group and then record it and download it. Meaning what? Yeah, say it. What do you mean? Okay, so there's this uh, software called BeLive. Mm -hmm. And BeLive essentially allows you to broadcast a, a live cast in a Facebook dental group. Mm -hmm. and, af and afterwards, you simply download it and send it to a podcast, send it to a repurposer. But this, was, I mean, it's amazing. It had lots of fun. But wouldn't it be cool to have people that are commenting and you could respond to the comments and tag their comments at the top? And then the bottom of the screen, it'll say your names. And it's just a you know what? YouTube does that, actually. Um, YouTube allows you to, to go live and then comments come up and you can do this, do the same thing. Actually, I've, I, I've actually part, part took in one of those. Partaken. Partaken. Thank you. I've, I've partaken. Yeah. So, so it, uh, yeah, that's a cool, that is a cool idea. I would be, I think I would just be nervous that it would be crickets and no one would say anything and we'd be like, all right, waiting for our first one to pop up. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you just have your, here's the thing. You, you have your normal conversation just like we're doing. Yeah. And then, and then, and then here comes the a troll. 
Yeah, or you, but the thing is, is people, you just don't bring the trolls' comments at the top. So you can put whatever per, person's comment, you can tag it, and it'll show up at the bottom of the screen. Check it out. Be live. I think you guys would be like yeah, perfect. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. Check it out. That would be fun. Yeah. You know what, Peter? Let me get on that. I'll do yeah, it for you, us. Why don't you do Yeah, you yeah, can do that for once, damn it. Yeah. God, I'm going to do that. I, I just need my invite back when you guys start doing that. I'm going to invite you guys on mine as well. All right, cool. You have a podcast too? It's a live cast. Oh, wow. That sounds even cooler. Yeah, we need, we need to morph this into a live cast. That sounds you know way what, Peter, we should start in telecast. That sounds even better. Mm, Something okay. you haven't even heard of yet, Elijah. This shit's so new and dope. You'll be the first one. You don't even know about it yet. And before Tell me about 50. Yeah. All right. Our slapstick is over. <laughs> Elijah. We'll be in Chicago on Thursday if you want to tune in. Elijah, it was a joy having you, pal. Hope to get to hang out with you in real life one day. And Craig, you're as handsome as always. Everyone, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Peace. See ya. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Bulletproof Dental Practice with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Online at BulletproofDentalPractice.com. We'll catch you next time.